0: The lectionary text for this Sunday is a story that Jesus told. And I thought, well, Jesus was a good storyteller. Maybe I'll just be a storyteller today. So do I look like a storyteller? So don't get all shook up. I'm not going to do this every Sunday, okay? I watched that documentary about the life of Gamble Rogers the other night. He was a great storyteller, especially about life in Florida. And it just reminded me about how Jesus had that reputation of being, I guess, a raconteur, you know, just uh, could really, he really had a way with with words. And uh, you know, he he told a lot of stories about uh, life in the in the village and life on the farm and it, the local economy and relationships. He also told a lot of stories about animals and plants and things that grow. And so today's story, the lectionary reading for this Sunday, comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a parable or a, a comparison, maybe a puzzle, that we would know as the parable of the sower. Now really, the sower starts out the story, but then disappears, so really probably the story ought to be called the, the, the comparison about the seeds and the soil. And, you know, he, he had quite a crowd when he told stories. He seemed to like to tell stories to people. He had a reputation that, that gathered people because he had been going around and announcing what people heard as good news. He had the reputation of being someone who was the bearer of great tidings. And you know what that looked like? It looked like a blind man receiving his sight, or a lame person being able to walk, or a deaf or mute person uh, being able to speak and hear. Uh, or a person whose morality was just really, uh, everybody thought was awful, being welcomed into the presence of this holy rabbi and being called friend of God. So this good news was about something Jesus called the kingdom of God, the reign of God, maybe we might think of it as uh, the new world that God is bringing. I like to think of it as God's dream for us. That's the good news that Jesus was talking about. And that's what his stories were about. And so it makes me wonder why was there so much resistance to Jesus if everything was so good and he did such wonderful things. And that's really what this story is about, these seeds and soil. It's about, at least in part, why is there so much failure? I mean, really, there's a lot of failure in this story. And there was it seemed like a lot of failure in Jesus' own ministry. It didn't end up so great. And in the life of the church when Matthew wrote, things were still pretty tough. And so, he tells this story, and it's told both in Mark and Luke, as well as in Matthew. Matthew really just copies most of Mark. And actually, it's told in some other places that didn't even make it into the New Testament. And in each place, told a little differently. Uh, And so, one thing we realize is Jesus was not the first one to use parables to tell About life. He's not the first one to tell stories about seeds and soil either, but he did teach with authority. He had that reputation of being an an exceptionally authoritative teacher, and that word authority in the Greek means speaking out of oneself. Not just repeating something you read the night before or, you know, saying something that you found on Wikipedia. But no, what Jesus taught came from within him. It was his authentic self expressed. And it seemed like the crowds couldn't get enough of it. And I hope you will also feel that way as we listen to this story from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm reading from the Message Translation. At about the same time, Jesus left the house and sat on the beach, and in no time at all, a crowd gathered on the shoreline, forcing him to get in a boat and sit in the boat and use the boat as a pulpit. And then he addressed his gathered people, telling stories. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed, as he scattered the seed, some of, it fell on the, some of it fell on the road, and the birds ate it. Some fell on the gravel and rocky ground, and sprouted up quickly, but didn't put down roots, and so when the sun came, it withered just as quickly. Some seed fell in the weeds, and it grew, and then it was strangled by the weeds, Some seed fell on the good earth and produced a a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Are you really listening? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one of the things about life for people with limited means, i.e. poor, would be that when they do go to seek health care, and there are a lot of barriers to that, but when they do finally seek health care, they kind of have to take what they can get. Now, if you had a problem with your knee or with your eye or with anything, you'd probably ask around, who's the best? What system is the best? Who, who, who really knows what they're doing? And you'd probably try to go to that person. Not so much with, with the poor. And it's true not only with physical things, but also with mental health care. Um, I remember when I was in training learning how to do pastoral psychotherapy, and the people, my clients that would come to me, would be the people who couldn't afford anyone better. <laughs> they, they, you know, they got the trainee. They got the person with no experience and no confidence. And so I'm sitting there listening to people in this room, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to focus on them. And, you know, they're droning on and on, and I'm sort of dozing off half the time. And I'm, so I've got to have coffee and, you know, and then they're they're presenting these very difficult complex deep-seated issues and i'm trying to figure out well i don't know what to do you've got a big problem you know it's i don't you know it's like what do i what do i tell these people what kernel of wisdom could i possibly have for this lifelong issue you i can't send you out of here with nothing what's what can i do and so i i'll always remember one woman who was uh, doing well enough to keep a job but she was terribly troubled by fears that God was out to get her now she was a Christian she would say I she she talked all about her faith and what she believed and but she always said you know I had this feeling about You know, maybe it was a little feeling of anger towards somebody or a thought that went through my head. And whatever that fleeting thought or feeling was, it made her question whether God still would approve of her or whether God was going to condemn her. And that's really what she thought. Now, we would call that a higher degree of paranoia, but... Really, as I thought about it and think about it now, most of us have had times when we've kind of questioned, am I good enough? Am I measuring up? Have I met the minimum standard? Uh, Am I in the in the language of the story that Jesus told here? Am I Good soil? Am, am I uh, the kind of soil that, will, that is really bearing fruit? And what does that look like? See, Jesus told this story at a time when distinctions were being made. Some people were following Jesus with sincerity and conviction and loyalty, and others were just kind of there uh, for all manner of reasons. And so Jesus talks about different kinds of people. So the first kind of person is the, the hard path person. The person who doesn't have any questions or has all the answers to the questions. And so they immediately reject this good news. They, there's, there's no growth whatsoever. It's, it's, the seed just, boom, it's gone. The second type is the rocky soil. It's people who uh, the seed has a little bit of initial growth. Have you ever seen stuff growing out of rocky stuff? Especially if you're in the mountains, you see a lot. It's amazing to see trees grow up out of rocks. But in this case, the seed has just a little growth. But then uh, it says that external pressures, fears, cause this seed to die. In other words, this person needs to conform to something else that's, that's stronger in them than the gospel. And so the seed dies. Then the third type is the, the seed and the thorns, and it really grows, and it's, it's growing up. You could see it. But you know what happens? Some competing... Priorities enter into the life of this person. They want other things as much or more than they want life as a follower of Jesus. They, they want to serve two masters, or maybe three. And guess what? That seed also dies because you can't do that. You may be wondering by now, what's up with this farmer? Why is he throwing all this seed in such lousy places? I mean, he's done nothing but fail. Is he lazy? Does he not know what he's doing? Why is there so much failure or disappointment or struggle when it comes to God's dream for us? Then Jesus said there is some good soil. There is good soil. It's not really described why it's good. It's not as if this person is more moral, has followed the rules better, or anything like that. We don't know. We just know that the soil produces an an amazing crop. Implicitly, we could say that this is soil that hasn't conformed to external pressures that isn't seeking approval first, uh, that isn't trying to serve two masters, that is focused on really being obedient to the spirit of God in their lives, and finally, who, who is open, who is open to the possibility of the mystery of good news, that God might be intending something New and radically better than what we see. Maybe maybe Matthew's already described the good soil. You know, he said, Blessed are the meek and the merciful. Blessed are the poor in spirit and the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness This is all descriptive language. It is not a list of rules. It's not law. It's gospel. It's it's describing the promises of God and the hope that God's people can have. Maybe that's what good soil looks like. Am I good soil? Are you Do we truly understand? That's the question Jesus asked. Do you really hear? You know, I think at different times in my life and maybe in my week, I can be any of those four types of soil. Sometimes I'm so hard-headed, I don't want to listen to anyone. I know what I want. I know the truth. That's all I need. Sometimes I'm rocky soil. I, I want approval. I want people to like me. I, I don't want people to find any reason to criticize, so I'll try to fit in. Sometimes I'm, I'm just like a thorny weed growing up. You know, I, I, I'd like to be a Christian, but I, heck, I also want some other stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus. Probably gets in the way. And then maybe sometimes I'm hungry and I'm feeling weak, poor even. Maybe Jesus is saying throughout this parable that following him is not so easy. I mean, you have enemies, right? You're supposed to pray for their well-being. Someone asks you for a shirt, you're supposed to give them more. Someone forces you to carry someone else's load unjustly for them, you're supposed to carry it twice as far. Forgive? Forgive? How about 70 times 7? Maybe Jesus is trying to say that the Christian life has some real tensions built into it. There are tensions. Maybe in a family, there's a person with a problem, and the tension is, how long do I go on forgiving and loving and trying to help this person? And when do I say enough is enough? When do I have a boundary that protects my own well being? How do you know what is the right thing and the loving thing to do? Or maybe maybe it's a social problem. How do you show respect for institutions that have built this country? and the people that work and serve in those institutions, how do you show respect for them and yet acknowledge that there needs to be fundamental change, that there are some wrongs that need to be righted? How do you find that balance? How do you resolve that tension? And you know, I think the tension is within us. Paul said, I don't even understand my own actions. I know what I want to do, but then I find myself doing the very opposite. I know what is right, but then I find myself not doing it. It's like getting caught up in closed reactive cycles. Cycles of arguing and trying to win arguments. Cycles of having stress and then trying to cope with that stress, maybe in some unhealthy ways. Maybe it's cycles of spending, but then wanting even more. Or cycles of feeling good and feeling bad, and never knowing how to have any equilibrium. Paul says, who will deliver me from this tension? from these struggles. The Beatitudes and the bountiful crop that ends this story seem to suggest that the kingdom of God, the dream of God for us, involves a gift for us and a demanding choice. my best, maybe I could say with Paul, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus said somewhere else in Matthew, the harvest is plentiful, is bountiful, abundant. It's not really a question about how big the crop will be. It's going to be a hundredfold, 60-fold, 30-fold. Amazing. We can count on that. But Jesus said the real issue is we need more laborers to bring in the harvest. We need more essential workers for God's dream. Jesus didn't really end the story. We do. Amen.